Chapter 10 Stella was perfectly certain that she couldn't win a physical fight with Edge for Thelma's underwear. What Thelma doesn't know won't hurt her. The corridor near the activities hall silently echoed the cold truth of Edge's words. Of course, Thelma would never know that Edge, for her own purposes, had stolen a pair of her bird-patterned underwear. And Thelma was blind. She might never know they were gone at all. They were only a scrap of cloth, not worth a struggle in dollars and cents. Stella had lost several of her own pairs in the wash, despite the Fairmount in-house laundry organization. She could think of only one way to save Thelma's underwear. No, to save Thelma's dignity. Whether she knew it or not, this teenaged girl, for whatever opaque and youthful motive, was absconding not with Thelma's possessions, but with Thelma's self-possession. Damn. Her fingers around the girl's wrist were tiring. So was her mind. She felt the cloudiness that told her she was headed for exhausted vagueness. Look, Miss Stella said, you're going to have to come with me. No way. I'm not going to turn you in. You'll see. Leading a sulking, silent edge by the wrist, Stella made her way through the corridors. Her first direction was a false start, and they ended up back in the foyer, but eventually the two washed up in Daffodil Corridor, at the door to Stella's room 34. Turn in here. What's in here? Patience, for one thing, you could use some. Stella pushed open the door. With Edge following, Stella crossed the floor to her chest of drawers and eyed her own underwear within. Along with her seven remaining pair of socks, each pair of Stella's underwear had been systematically and rather cleverly rolled in on itself to make a neat fabric sausage so that Stella knew that the loving care worker, Reliza, had been organizing her drawer for her again. Stella wished she could fob Edge off with a pastel-colored sausage-rolled pair of her socks in trade for Thelma's smalls, but the determination in Edge's eyes told her not to waste her time with delaying tactics. It had to be underwear. Which pair? Stella put her hand on an old beige pair, plain of deportment and saggy of elastic that she had been planning to get rid of for about 15 years. She had no idea how they had survived the purge of most of her worldly goods. She'd never miss them. She was about to unfold them when she realized the error of her choice. It was just as she used to instruct elementary school students before field trips. Remember, when you're in the Natural History Museum, you represent the school and you represent me. As with student behavior in public, so with underwear. Stella would not be represented by droopy, frayed drawers. She put the unloved beige ones back and pulled out a pair of rolled-up shell-pink silken underwear, lacy 
as a very small wedding dress. Stella had paid a fistful of money for them ten years before. She liked them so well that she had never once worn them. She met Edge's intense gaze. Heaven only knows what I was saving them for, she said. Here, take them, before I change my mind. No, let's have Thelma's back first. You're so cranky. Edge held out Thelma's bright underwear in one hand, and Stella her rolled-up shell pink ones. Without warning, Stella's pink underwear unrolled. They dangled from Stella's hand, and she found herself looking at them through Edge's eyes. They were lacy and shell pink, yes. Brand new, all right. But the terrible thing was, they looked so big. Stella felt herself turn shell pink with embarrassment. She pulled them back and crumpled them up between both hands. Edge made a noise of protest. I've got to go. They'll start asking questions if I'm gone too long. Holding her underwear to her breast, Stella said, I need something more. What? Edge looked at Thelma's bright underwear. This is all I took. Tell me your name. It's Edge, the girl said, with a look that said, Have you forgotten already? Your real name. Edge shrugged. Michelle. Slowly, Stella shook her head. I blame myself for not warning you that I taught school for 40 years. Okay, Jesse, what the hell? And I administered a school library, so you need not bother with these lies. If it were a lovely name like Michelle or Jesse, you wouldn't be calling yourself Edge. She looked as the wind slackened and died in the storm of Edge's gaze. All right. Yes? It's Edwina. Stella nodded. She looked down at her shell pinks. It was still not a fair exchange. She balled up the underwear to make them look as small as possible and handed them over. Stella said, It is a far, far better thing that I do now than I have ever done. Edwina said, Huh? Dickens, Stella said. Don't they make you read a tale of two cities anymore? They could try. Edwina held out Thelma's underwear and tucked Stella's away in her pocket. Chapter 11 The exchange made, Edge hurried away to the activities hall. Stella was left in possession of the red and blue macaw-printed underwear, and minus her own. All alone now, and lost as usual in the corridors leading to Chrysanthemum where Thelma would be waiting, Stella could not prevent herself from picturing Edwina holding up her shell-pink prize to a group of teenagers. As she neared Chrysanthemum, she almost thought she could hear their laughter. In her imagination, she saw them toss her lacy smalls from hand to hand. They look 
bigger off, she muttered. She arrived at Thelma's door and glared at it. She looked forward to glaring at Thelma herself. Already this morning, Stella had risked all to help Thelma bathe and mopped up the sopping floor Thelma had left behind, and now she had sent her most cherished undergarment into the cruel world of adolescence to be mocked and abused. And all Stella was likely to receive in return was yet another tongue-lashing for not tracking down that Mahjong box full of money that had doubtless been taken by some long-gone, light-fingered Fairmount employee ten years ago. And even if it hadn't, what on earth would Thelma spend the money on? She didn't expect thanks from Thelma for her morning's work, but today was the day she would put her foot down about the Mahjong box. She pushed the door open and entered Thelma's room. For a moment, she couldn't understand what she was seeing. Thelma, balled up in her chair, face buried in her hands, legs bare, still half-dressed and shivering after her bath. Thelma, what are you doing? I don't know, Thelma mumbled. You always know. You'll make yourself sick with the chills. I dropped my clothes. Then I couldn't find anything. Thelma shuddered and made herself even smaller. Don't look. Hold on. Your trousers are on the floor by the bed. And she bent down and picked up Thelma's red stretch trousers. She couldn't understand why she felt so guilty. It wasn't her fault Thelma was huddled in her chair, half-dressed and trembling. She looked from the unsteady claws reaching out of Thelma's red silk jacket to the mottled legs and small bare feet. But this was indeed Stella's fault. She had left Thelma alone after her bath. She hadn't checked on her, hadn't even thought of doing so. She was no better than some feckless, thoughtless teenager. Even a nameless care worker surely would have checked to see that she was all right. Yet Stella had given Thelma what she wanted. The dignity of independent bathing. Nothing was wrong with that. Unless... Unless she had not given Thelma what she really wanted. The bath was a sort of treasure, really. But Thelma had stated her heart's desire often enough. That damn Mahjong box full of money, stolen ten years before. It was unfindable. So what was she supposed to do for Thelma? Lie? To a lonely, irascible, blind, ninety-year-old woman? As she helped Thelma wrestle into her stretched trousers, Stella wrestled with the puzzle of how to avoid lying about the impossibility of keeping a promise without admitting that keeping said promise was impossible. Could you do all that and still tell the truth? Maybe. So she made a silent vow, but a silent vow was not worth much to Thelma, so she said it aloud. I'm going to search for what you lost, Thelma.
As she spoke, she realized that was a pretty vague vow. Family? Youth? Eyesight? Thelma had lost them all. Good. Thelma waved her cane around. Find my socks. My feet are as cold as a frigid air. Thelma, I'm going to look for the money that went missing ten years ago. The money in the Mejong box. Thanks a lot, Thelma said. You already promised that last week. Now find me my slippers. Stella sidled over to Thelma's chest of drawers and opened the top drawer. Reliza had been here too, rolling and tucking the underwear into lovely little sausages. She gazed at the neatly arranged drawer and experienced a strange light feeling, something like elation. How illogical. Edge had won. Stella had lost. The teenager had walked off with Stella's shell-pink dignity. So why did Stella feel like she still had her dignity, and Thelma's as well? Stella rolled and tucked Thelma's bright macaw-patterned underwear into the top drawer, snug among the others. She shut the drawer with a click and turned to look for Thelma's slippers.